You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we've been, um, we've been in this series about the Holy Spirit. Today we'll be talking about you know, the gifts of the Spirit as they're listed in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and so we've, we've, we've just endeavored to really want to know the real Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of spirits out there that are not holy. And uh, we are, by, by nature, very spiritual people. Everybody understands that. Everybody understands that in terms of living this life, that there's more than just the five senses. There are, there's spiritual things that some people are very acute to and very have language for and have categories for, and then some of us not, both in and outside of the church. And so um, we're like that because God made us. He breathed his ruah, which is the spirit of God in the Old Testament, and he, in, he embodies with us um, the pneuma, spirit of God. He breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so... Um, a non-spiritual Christian walk is an oxymoron as well. And so uh, what does it look like to um, have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? You know, um, you can live with somebody in the same house and have no relationship with them and just be super cold and be two people living under the same roof in two different beds. And so the opportunity here is the Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with us. It's not a trance, it's a dance. It's a back and forth, it's a conversation. And so that's what I want to just kickstart with us as we continue to talk about usually removing through books of the Bible. We've done this topical series, but what is your relationship like today uh, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as a reminder, is God's personal presence. He's a he, not an it. He's not a thing, and he's not a force, and he's not a chi. And the big, you know, distant difference and the distinction of why that's important is because if, he, if he's a he, then he has a will. He has a mind, a will, and emotions. And so it does, he doesn't just show up into my life to do what I want, right? It's like there is, there is a leader and a follower, and I'm not the leader. And so the relationship is not osmosis. It is intimacy, and he is leading and we can choose to follow or not. We can choose to resist, or we can choose to receive the Holy Spirit. That is a decision that we can, we can make with our spouse, and it's a decision we can make with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, it says, was not transported into the desert. He was led there. And he had a decision that means to not follow, but yet he decided to follow. And so what does that mean to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? He is present. He is, he is a person, and he's personal, and he's present. And he's not just an idea or a concept, but he is power. He is power for salvation and power to witness unto the ends of the earth, and so the, the Christian life is not just hard without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. The Bible is essentially, uh, in terms of the Holy Spirit, a testimony about what life is like before him and after him. Before the Spirit moved, the world was formless and void. It, it was not just unrighteous. It was unformed, like nothing has form without the Holy Spirit. Before he was there, Elijah couldn't prophesy. Before the Holy Spirit was there, Mary's womb was a virgin. She couldn't have... She couldn't have had Jesus. If, if the Holy Spirit wasn't there, then Sarah couldn't have a baby. If the Holy Spirit wasn't there, Jesus couldn't do any ministry. The perfect man could do no ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit. So the, Spirit, uh, the Scripture has no other higher category than to talk about the value, the importance, the significance of the Holy Spirit is not uh, you know, a, 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 um, just an extracurricular activity. The Holy Spirit is essential to the Christian walk, making it possible. And so I want to read our, our key passage today. And kind of talk about, we've been talking about the, being filled with the Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and today just the gifts of the Spirit. First Corinthians 12 says this. Now to each one, it says, the manif- uh, each one of us is manifestation of the Spirit and is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Verse 10 says, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. And 
And all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes these gifts to each one just as he determines. And so notice that there, um, there is a list of, of, of gifts here um, that are not just the practical gifts. There are gifts throughout the Bible, and there, there's actually a slide here that we'll, we'll start off with here today. But there's, there's gifts like teaching and exhortation and hospitality, and these are all practical gifts, and they're very spiritual gifts. And those are not not spiritual, but those are sort of the natural gifts. You also have um, kind of agencies or ministries within the church, apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists. And then there are these types of gifts. These are, these are kind of sign gifts. And um, I'm here to, to share with you today that um, I don't know where your life is and where your story is, but I, I certainly cannot explain uh, my personal walk with Jesus without both of those kinds of gifts, both natural and, uh, and supernatural sign gifts. When I was, um, I guess, 26, um, I thought I knew everything, and I was running through everything like a brick wall, you know? And uh, I came down with a fever at uh, 26, 26 in like 2013 and was down for the count for about two days. My temperature went way up, and I began to develop uh, symptoms in my body that essentially were um, acute kidney failure. Um, basically, what had happened, the doctors told me, that, is that my, uh, my, my fever had attacked my uh, body, and my body had this autoimmune deficiency where it started to attack my kidneys. And so um, you began to talk to me about a nephritis, an acute um, nephritis, which basically means that your kidneys won't function the way that they're supposed to be. And probably in the next couple of uh, years, in the next 10 years, I was supposed to go on dialysis. And um, I would have to have probably a kidney transplant about every 10 years in order to, to, to keep, keep on going. And so I was utterly devastated, especially because I had to become a vegan for like eight months. And um, I don't know, like you can imitate certain things. Like I have like imitation, you know, cool shoes on today or whatever. But, you know, you can imitate some things, but you can't imitate cheese. And so I was eating a lot of imitated foods that nobody ever should have to, have to eat. That was not, not a fun thing. And so um, I remember, you know, going to the doctor, and that was a spiritual and a physical and emotional thing. For about eight months, this is the, a process that we were going to the doctors and getting blood, blood things and a lot of prayer. Uh, I remember being sometimes up in the middle of the night for no reason at one and two in the morning, just kind of stressed out. I'm thinking about my kids. We had three kids at that time. I was 26 years old. And so we, I remember just putting on um, uh, Bethel worship sets on the TV and just Martin Smith especially and his daughter led this one. If you ever go and check it out, it's amazing. I, well, at least in 2013, it was great. And so um, I remember praying, and, and I remember even in the middle of the night asking Kyra to pray for me, just different stress and different, different things that, that was going on. The youth group prayed for me, the church prayed for me, and so forth. And so um, my plan was, was definitely changed by that, you know? Like, like the promises of God were held in threat because everything that I thought was going to happen in the next 10 years of my life was getting moved significantly. And that was an entirely valuable process. Me and Kyra grew closer. My faith became more real and gritty, and I needed him more than ever. And then out of that, I don't know exactly the moment or the time or exactly, you know, to be an accurate historian, exactly what happened or how it happened. I'm not really sure, but I do know that the doctor called me. I used to call him Dr. Spock because he was so cold and calculated. I'd be like, can you care a little bit? He's just like, Oliver. Like, and he just said my levels were completely down and that I was healed and I didn't need to um, continue on with the, with the biopsy that I was supposed to do and, um, and that everything had turned around for me within those eight months somehow through prayer. And so I cannot tell you about my spiritual walk personally other than uh, the unexplainable, other than, uh, than the miraculous. I've had, um, I've had uh, situations and scenarios in, in youth ministry, um, for example, where um, there would be a kid that would come in and um, he 
was struggling, you know, with dark emotional things. And there was a kid that came in one time, basically was ready to commit suicide the night before, you know. And we just sensed that we were supposed to pray for the kid and that um, we had sensed that the Lord was saying that this one comes out with love. And so we just prayed the love of the Father for that young individual. And he, um, I don't know what it is to explain exactly what happened, but um, his demeanor certainly changed and he continued to come to youth group and his life was definitely turned around because of what happened in that, in that moment. And we knew that that wasn't us. That was a work of the Spirit. Um, I can remember uh, times like going out with kids, you know, to Chick-fil-A. And, um, the, you know, these kids don't know any different other than just to have faith. And I remember sitting there in Chick-fil-A, and these kids saw these police officers, and they were just led and nudged by the Holy Spirit to go and pray for these police officers and to thank them for their service. And went over there and prayed for them. And, you know, the police officers were just devastatedly, like, blessed by these kids, like, coming up to them. I know that um, there is definitely counseling situations where we've, like, talked to people and tried to counsel and disciple, and, you know, I would have called it different instances of prophetic words that needed to happen for that person to truly get the heart of God in that moment, and I don't know what your category for that is, but I just cannot explain my walk with Jesus without the unexplainable, and I think that's a beautiful thing. At the same time, I cannot explain uh, my walk with Jesus other than uh, the abuse of spiritual gifts causing... um, um, me to be burned. And so at the same time as I've been very built up by the use of spiritual gifts, I've also been very burned by the abuse of spiritual gifts. And that's something that I can't look over. Um, I've had uh, people tell me that bad things have happened to me in my life because I've been disobedient to God. And so um, somebody has passed away in my life because of my disobedience. And I've had people um, try and push and pull me to do different things in life uh, because they told me that God told them to tell me that. And I had to go through a process of realizing that if God wants to speak, he can speak directly to me, and I don't need a magic eight ball, you know, to hear from my father. Um, I've had uh, a kid in youth group, and somewhat, I think because of the frenzy and the excitement of spirit-filled life and the miraculous, um, testify to being healed of cancer when his dad had to call me in a couple months and tell me that the kid never had cancer. And that because it is interesting and fascinating to be swept into the gifts of the Spirit, that sometimes people uh, practice and testify to things that they say God did that really they just did or made up in the first place. And so what do you do? This is the question I want to ask you about the spiritual gifts. We really allow this to hit us the way that it hits us sometimes. It's like, what do you do with the gifts? Like, if you go to the beach and you get stung by a jellyfish, it only takes one jellyfish to make you a little bit cautious about going back into the water again. The water's great, the beach is awesome, but it's like, how do I know when, when I'm safe and when I'm not? And a lot of times I think we just kind of chalk up our hands and just stay out of the water, really. And so I just want to bring this to you in our studies. We think about the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and actually ask, you know, seek, seek the Lord in terms of what He's given us in terms of the Scripture about the gifts of the Spirit. This is the passage that has been hitting me personally. As somebody that has both been very much built and very much burned by the use and the abuse of spiritual gifts, uh, Paul would tell us in 1 Corinthians 14, he says this way, he says, to follow the way of love, and Paul says to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, it's like, I'll tell you, as a pastor, I'll be transparent with you. I desire the, the spiritual gifts, but at 36, I'm not so sure I have that eagerly anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I'm being transparent with you. I don't know if I eagerly am hungry, as hungry as I once was, for the spiritual gifts. And that's just me being transparent and honest with you as as a process. I've gotten stung by a few jellyfish before. Love the beach. Been burned before, right? But the scripture says that if we're a Christian, regardless of denomination, 
We should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Because, because Jesus and the Spirit have come to build up a church that is built up of his gifts and not our skills. He has come to build up a church with a certain blueprint and format that ultimately is not us building it, but him. And so I think about it this way. It's like if, if, a, if a general contractor comes to you and says, hey, I want you to build this house of, of bricks, and three weeks later you beat the schedule and you come back to him and said, hey, listen, man, I found some better materials for you. I got it done. How about this house of wood that I built you? Did you build what the contractor asked you to build? Right? So at some level, if God is telling us to build up his church, which is a spiritual endeavor, and build a house that is, that is a spiritual house, and we come back to him and say, because of expedience, we've built it with other materials, did we really do what he said? And so the gifts of the Spirit it, it is God's equipping. It is, it is his empowerment to the church to build up the, the church the way he wants to build it, how he wants to build it, why he wants to build it, in, 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 in the timing and the expedience that he wants to build it. It is not optional how we build up the church and how we build up the fellow believers that are here in this room. And so this is what 1 Corinthians 3 says about it. He says, uh, this is Paul earlier in the book, by grace, says Paul, God has given me, he says, I have laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on what I build. But each one should be built with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's been laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold or silver or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward, but if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only, even though only as one escaping from the flames. So you're, never, so you're not going to believe this, but Paul, so he's written in 1 Corinthians 1 and then into 2 and 3, has a flow of thought here, and Paul's writing to a Corinthian church, which is a very multicultural, um, non-even Jewish, sometimes background church, and you're not going to believe this, but um, there are people in this Corinthian church that are following pastors based on their uh, personality and their uh, brand. You're, never, you're just never going to believe it because we don't, we never do this. I mean, this is, we're way past this now in 20, we've completely evolved. And so much so that, that there's a favoritism for the brand even more than the doctrine that they're preaching. Like they kind of, like back then, not now, they would just sign up for Apollos and be like, man, I love the way Apollos tells stories, so everything he says is right, and all those losers are wrong. You know, like, they, we never do that, right? And so he's saying, he's saying there's, there, there is this building that's going on of what he wants to build, the way he wants to build it, for the reasons he wants to build it. And, and he's saying that ultimately that we are not the builders, that God is the builder. In the, in the, in the, in the scriptures, we looked at that list earlier, the gifts and, and the giftings and so forth. There are many different kinds of gifts. There are speaking gifts like teaching and exhorting and pastoring, and then there are servant gifts like there's care and hospitality. And then there's, there's these other one-third, sometimes second cousins that we treat sometimes in the church, these other sign gifts. And if, and if Jesus is building a foundation for himself and building a church on it to build what he's asking us to build, then he is asking us necessarily to build with all of those gifts. And, and so... Um, I want, us, I want us to consider, this is just 
for people like me that have both been built and, and also burned you know, by, the, by the church, this is the question I'd want to ask is, is, do we continue to desire and to build with the gifts that God has given us? Do we desire to build with spiritual gifts or something else? Because if he has called us to be the general, if he's the general contractor and he's called us to build up a church and make it with bricks and we build it with wood, we didn't really do what he said. We didn't really um, abide in the blueprint that, he, that he's given us. And it, and it will all, all if, it's, if, it's just, if it's just intellectual properties, if it just turns out to be um, something you, know, you and I could do if we owned an Applebee's down the street or started our own business over here, if it's not something that has spiritual gifts in it, then ultimately it's not what he's, he's asked us to do. And so there's three things that have really been sitting with me this week as I've been chewing on this passage, even personally. Um, and reasons why I think it's important not just to have leadership gifts and speaking gifts and care gifts, but also sign gifts. And there's just three reasons I want you to consider. And the first one is, is that those ones that we read, in wisdom and tongues and prophecies, if we don't have those kinds of gifts in our church, we might think that we build the church and not him. That's one of the things that has to sit on us. Like, Dennis Rodman is a great rebounder. One time I saw Dennis Rodman get zero points and zero assists and zero steals and 25 rebounds in one game. He's an incredible rebounder, Okay. But Dennis Rodman is Dennis Rodman, and he's not Michael Jordan. And one of the things about the generous nature of God in the ways that he helps us to partner with him and extends and uses all of our gifts, all of our past and our histories and our stories, is that if we go on and don't have Michael Jordan just take over every now and again, we might just think that we're Michael Jordan, but we're not. So one of the essence, I think one of the things that keeps us earnest and honest within the church of why prophecy and tongues and healings is necessary is because it needs to be a continual reminder that the things that we do and gather on Sunday are not built by us, but by him. And if we don't have all three of those categories, we miss on that. The second thing that I thought about is, um, is that large, some, some of the times, if you had this experience, that, that people, you know, they come in all different shapes and sizes, different experiences. And I have found that if the church separates itself from let's just say the spirit church and the word church, and doesn't practice all of the spiritual gifts, then what ultimately happens is that the personalities and the people that need those spiritual gifts don't have a safe place to practice, and then they have to go somewhere else. And the proper response to abuse is not neglect, but proper use. And when it is that we defer to neglecting the spiritual gifts, what oftentimes happens is the victims of that will be the people that both need to receive those gifts and need to be practicing those gifts. And so when we neglect to use proper authority and power, we ultimately abuse it anyways. So probably the best thing that we could ever do, if you've ever been in a scenario where you have been abused or practiced the abuse of spiritual gifts, is not to run from them and neglect them, but to practice them rightly. Because the reality is, is that whether I talk about sex or don't talk about sex to my kids, they're going to figure out what sex is. <laughs> and if I don't choose to teach and equip proper use of authority and power, it will be abused. And so I, so, so I think just those three things to, think, to consider, why do the sign gifts exist and why are they not just extracurriculars but essentials? Number one is because we're Rodman and we're not Michael Jordan because he builds the church and we don't build the church. And number two, because if they're not practiced rightly, then someone else will have to suffer for that because they will be practiced somewhere and probably in abuse. And then number three, that therefore if we've ever been hurt or been misused by the use of spiritual gifts, then the correct answer is not to neglect but to practice them rightly. And so do you, do you desire the spiritual gifts? If you're single in this room, uh, eagerly desiring a spouse is not a passive endeavor. If you're single in this room, everyone that you cross that is remotely in your age range and a Christian, 
it might cross your mind every now and again that maybe this is the one, right? This is the idea. What does it mean to eagerly pursue? If you're looking for a job, this is what 1 Corinthians 14 says, to eagerly desire the gifts. If you're looking for a job, if somebody comes up and starts talking about job openings, your antennas go up because you are eagerly desiring that job. And so my question is, not are you chasing the gifts, but are you eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit? Eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, so this is what 1 Corinthians 14 equips us on. Paul says this. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So Paul puts kind of the dad hat on. And he says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is, uh, who is uh, speaking by the Spirit of God will ever say, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is the Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So, so Paul puts on the dad hat right away. And notice that one of the premier ways that the Scripture te- speaks to us about spiritual gifts features Paul with the dad hat on and his, and his foot over that brake on the right side of the car when he's driving the car. Like he's, he's coming into equipping with like layers of caution. He's walking into the discussion about spiritual gifts with warnings attached to it. And he explains exactly why. He says, because the audience that he is speaking to, namely us too, right? So we're not just so far removed from the Corinthian church. Okay, we are predisposed to idolatry. We love We love other things more than Jesus and ultimately love ourselves more than Jesus. And so we are predisposed to loving ourselves. And so he wants us to know right from the beginning, right from the beginning, to remember, little children, that when you come into spiritual gifts, these gifts are not about you. When you go down to the, like, little IB, AP class, what does it mean when they say that you're gifted and talented, right? You're gifted and talented means that's about you. It's about what you can do and what you can offer and why you're maybe better than the other kid's kid, my, you know, secret A student or whatever is better than your kid, you know, bumper sticker or whatever, right? And so the gifts are about the person. And he's like, I want to warn you as we get into the spiritual gifts, the, the major thing that's going to get in the way of you practicing these things is idolatry. You love yourself. And you will easily and avidly go after these gifts to make things about you, for you, and by you. And so Corinthian church, I want you to know these gifts are not for you, right? Ultimately, they are for the church, and they're not about you, they're about him. And so rule number one, I'm going to come into this thing with caution and a sense of, uh, of reverence and deference here to say, look, as you get into these gifts, remember, these gifts are about him. These gifts are a love offering. It's, it's that God loved the church and so loved the church that he gave gifts to the church. It's not that, the, that God loves the gifts so much and asks the, the church to jump and climb notches to get, prove how gifted they are. It's that he's given the gifts for free so that the church can receive them as gifts and not as rewards. And so Corinthian church, be careful because you love yourself. And you'll be tempted when you get into the idea of spiritual gifts to make it about you. But it's not about you. It's about him. So that's kind of the opening statement that he has. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, says Paul, but the same spirit that distributes the gifts. Okay? And there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them is the same God at work. So the word there of spiritual gifts, both in verse 1 and verse 4, are is an interesting kind of slippery word because it's an adjective without a noun. So there is a word in the Greek that means spiritual, and there is a word that means gifts, but that is not that. It's not a compounding of spiritual gifts. It actually is most accurately communicated as the spirituals, the spiritual gifts, okay? And this is why this would be important. So again, this is that list I talked to you about before with Romans and, and, and yeah, 1 Corinthians 12 and, and Ephesians 4. There are such things as giftedness. You have gifts that if you were Christian or not Christian, you would have things you're good at, and that's great. Use those for God. And there are also ministries within the church, Ephesians 4, which apostles and pastors and teachers and all sorts of things that are not just about the gifts. It is about the 
the person growing in a natural affinity for a certain type of gifting. But 1 Corinthians 12 is neither talking about giftedness or gifting, but gifts. It's, it's talking about spirituals. It's talking about if, if I go to a Christmas party and somebody gives me a sweater, that doesn't mean I'm good at making sweaters. It means I just, I have a God that's good and he gave me a sweater. Do you see the difference? Because what could happen to us is if it's about me, for me, like me, these gifts are about building up my reputation and my resume, then I mistake praying for someone and seeing a healing for me being a healer. And that's, at least in 1 Corinthians 12, not what he's talking about. He's talking about Sunday morning is a Christmas tree. And in the room, because God so loves the church so much, he doesn't reward people with gifts. He just gives them. And anyone that has access to faith can pray for them. No amount of people that you've ever seen a healing for or ever had a tongue for, a prophetic word, or any of those things make you any more or less qualified of being a child of God. Because you walked in here a child of God, and you'll leave here a child of God, and you get gifts because he loves you, not because you're good at them. Right? So he's saying, remember, church, these gifts are not about you. They're not ultimately for you. They are for the church, and they are given to you. They're not little reward systems. And so these spiritual gifts, they're active all the time. And so as we, as we drive to church in the morning, you know, we're, uh, we're sold all the time on this idea that, like, you know, advertising agencies, the best thing that they sell you is the lie that you're not happy. That's what they're paid to do. They're paid to make you convinced that you're not happy without their magnet iPhone or whatever it is they're selling you. I'm not happy until I get the magnet iPhone. So they're geniuses in making you feel, right, that you, you don't have enough, okay? And so the counterintuitive is that everything we have and need is in Jesus. And the church doesn't exist for us, but we exist for the church. And the church doesn't just exist for me and you, but it exists for the world. And so the question should be, and that's a whole other sermon for a whole other time, in the spiritual gifts, as we drive to church, it should not be, I hope that Oliver doesn't preach too long because I'm going to be starving by 1 o'clock, right? It should be, what can I give? And not only that, not only what am I good at to give, what am I not good at that he's just going to give me for free that I can give to somebody else? Because I love your church, I love the Father, I love the Son, and I want to give to the church anything that he'd want to give. And he's saying that, that the position that we should take is to eagerly desire, the same way as a single person would be ready to meet another single Christian person in this church, even more so than that, we should desire the spiritual gifts. What if today we're going to be able to see the impossible made possible? What if today we're going to see somebody broken out that was living in bondage and slavery, broken out by the power of the Spirit? What will you do today, Spirit? And what is the gift that you desire to give through me, um, not from me? What is the gift that you're desiring to give to your church? This is what the gifts of the Spirit are in 1 Corinthians 14. So, so um, uh, I had a, I had a, a picture in, in my mind of... of, um, of something that resonated with me that connects to this passage. And um, there was a young intern person that I worked with named Dylan Standridge. Y'all know and love Dylan? Great guy. Uh, and so uh, we um, were driving all the kids over to the beach, and there were like three vans or four vans. There's the caravan, and his was the late, latest one. He was like 20 minutes late. Oh, sorry, bro. He got out of the car. He was like, dude, I'm so sorry. He was like, I missed the exit. And it's crazy. It's like kind of like Dr. Seuss around there in Charleston. And so all the kids were having a great time. I was like, oh, no worries, man. He's like, yeah, dude. I was like... He was like, man, I was just getting really caught up in this daydream. And he started off the sentence, and at first I was like, oh, we got to pull the car over. He was like, I was daydreaming about this girl. And I was like, yeah, easy. And, uh, and then he said, I was daydreaming, and uh, yeah, I was just praying with this girl, and she just got healed. It was so awesome, man. And I just totally paused because I thought of all the things that could make somebody late a volunteer to a youth event. That's not a bad one. And of all the things that a guy could be daydreaming about, 
that's also a pretty beautiful thing to be dreaming about. You know, it's like, even in the Bible or in secular world, like, where the heart go, the, the feet kind of follows as well. And I wonder, like, of all the types of things that captivate our emotions, advertising, idolatry, you know, even, like, worry, angst, and anxiety, for this guy to be driving down the, the road, I mean, think about this for a second. He is being captivated by a dream of a spiritual gift. What's gotten into this kid? That he's driving down the road so much and he's not thinking about, you know, the girl he's going to go talk to or the money he's going to get or the job. He's literally thinking about somebody else getting set free because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Has Jesus not encountered this guy? What does it look like to desire the spiritual gifts? Because what it is we desire ultimately is where our feet kind of end up in the first place. And so it doesn't say to chase the spiritual gifts, but it says to desire them so that you would take every opportunity the same way a single person would be ready to talk to any other single person to see if maybe this is the one that they're supposed to start dating. How much, what would it look like for you to begin to dream and daydream with us about God doing unexplainable things in our midst? And have we fallen asleep to that dream? And have we allowed for some other mantra or worldly theme to take captive our imaginations of what our dreams would be given to? Or could we daydream about what it would look like for the gifts of the Spirit to come alive? Now, notice also that the gifts of the Spirit are to be desired but not chased. There's a difference between me knowing my father loves me and receiving a gift from my father saying, hey, I really love Optimus Prime, Dad, and I thought maybe for my birthday you might give me an Optimus Prime toy. Like, that'd be really awesome, right? And me taking his checkbook and forging the check and bringing it and making it happen, right? That's two different things from desiring. This is faith. This is gifts. This is not works. This is me trusting. This is me taking. This is me insecure about my own faith and my own relationship. Unless the gifts are here, then God must not be here. And scriptures say over and over again to trust his heart and not his hand, to seek his heart and not his hand. The reward is better. And so, you know, like I, I've been a part of before and I'm not coming down on you or whatever or, or necessarily saying it'll always lead to bad things. I just don't know if it's wise. Like I've seen people, you know, sticking quarters to walls, you know, and, 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 and trying to manipulate like the magic show of miracles. And these signs are not magic show miracles they're signs to a deaf and blind world that God loves his church and wants to give things to it for free. That's the heart of it. So if I'm over here guessing which Uno card's coming next to practice prophetic gifting, like, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, but I don't know if it's the wisest thing either. Because ultimately the gift has to be something that's not about my capacity or competency. It has to be about the love that I have for his church. You know when we're giving gifts to the church, we're giving gifts to his wife? This isn't a game. This isn't like a magic show that I should get notches about. This should be about names. This should not, like when I give a, a, a prophetic gift, I hope that I have a deep, abided, cherishing love as Jesus loves the church as the one that I'm about to give a gift to. Because this thing is not about me showing off what I can do in my capacity and growing Yodaness in the Holy Spirit. This is about me loving his church so much that I actually take on his heart and receive his gifts to give to somebody else. It should not be about me. It should be about him. And so what, what, is that, what does it look like to, because I love God, because I love the church, to want, it, want to give a gift? Sometimes it gets to be this angsty scenario where God is not here unless gifts are being practiced. And so instead of being God loves the church and gives gifts to the church, it becomes God loves the gifts and makes the church climb the ladder to get up to the gifts. And if you really get to the gifts, then you really know God. That is incredibly, I think, disruptive to the process of, of, of church building. But listen, it's not an excuse off the hook to calculate what are your desires and what are your dreams. Because potentially Paul is agreeing with Dylan Standards in the sense that maybe one of the best things you could daydream about on your way to church is not how frustrated you are at the kids, right? Although I am sometimes. But what can I give? 
What is the spiritual gift that I can give to somebody else that has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with my capacity or my skill or my competency, nothing to do with my, my, my ability to do something, but just because it's under the Christmas tree, just because of faith. You might have a gift of healing today, but, you don't, but then I have it tomorrow. And just because of faith, you might have a, a word of wisdom today, and I might have it tomorrow. And what does it look like for the, for the church to gather around the gifts and not just the gifted? What does it look like for us to expect the gifts are coming for free, they're not rewards? Think about this. This is the list that he's given us. I guess it's nine that I have. Do you eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, wisdom? Like you can't dream of something you don't know is possible. But Paul gives us a list, and essentially the equipping is less, let me not tell you that how to do it. It's just more like it's available and have faith. And as you drive to church, what if you, I mean, what is the, what is the lid that is lifted of the possibility of what it means to be in a building for an hour and a half or two hours if you stay later that maybe that because of my obedience to the Spirit that I might be able to offer a word of wisdom. You guys know, like, there's just people, as I preach, they glaze over, man, because you know what? I'm talking about something so abstract to where they are. They're bleeding out in their marriage. They just want to know what to do, man. They want to know what to do. They need wisdom. And I'm up here, and I'm walking through the Scripture, and I'm hoping that the Spirit interprets, right? Like, I'm here to explain, and the Spirit can interpret to each and every single heart. But ultimately, sometimes that interpretation flows through people. And what people want to know is not just what, does soteriology mean they want to know what they should do tomorrow? And what if you're the one who comes to bring wisdom? Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever experienced before, but it happens in the Bible where the Spirit will tell you to pause. You have no reason to have a pause, like to go into Asia or go into Macedonia like it is with Paul. All of the dashboard instruments are telling you to go forward, but you just have a sense that you don't have a peace and you're going to wait. And how many of you guys have ever experienced before that that word of wisdom didn't come from you? It came from the Spirit, lean on your understanding, and you walk into it, and then you realize why he told you to wait. That's a word of wisdom. And there are people in this room and in the 9 o'clock service that desperately need that. And if you have faith for it, maybe you'd be the one to give it. Would you, would you daydream? Would you desire that with me? Because if it's possible, it's something to be desired. He says it's not only possible but plausible that you could have words of knowledge. So a lot of times this will pop up where you're sitting with somebody and you realize that the problem that they're talking about in counseling is not the real problem. That the guy is sitting there talking about his job and stress, but he's addicted to pornography. And the Spirit very graciously nudges you to ask about deeper questions, and you would have no idea that that was going on other than the wisdom of the Spirit. Are you listening up as you're listening out? Are we, are we building, right? Are we building up the church with his gifts or our gifts? Are we building it with his gifts or our gifts? How about faith? How many of you guys have, have seen in a room where it's like, you're ready to pray for a sick person, and you see a kid next to you, and you know the right answer is to get that kid to pray because he's got more faith than you do. How many know that you don't want to get in the way of that? And, and sometimes it is realizing that not everybody in this room has the same amount of faith, and sometimes I have to have faith for somebody else. You guys remember when Jesus' friends, or that guy's friends, bring that guy and put him through the roof to go see Jesus because their faith gets the guy to the feet of Jesus, right? Sometimes it's not our faith, but our friend's faith that gets us to the feet of Jesus. And what if you have faith today that needs to be given to somebody else? And so you're sitting in a room, and everybody else is just talking about the boring, blah, 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 Monday, Tuesday, and for whatever reason, you're like, I just don't... I know it's discouraging, but I feel encouragement right now. What if it's time for you to speak up? What if it's time to, to remind of a song or lead a prayer or just say, hey, listen, this is something I remembered or a testimony that you share, and it ignites the room with faith and becomes contagious so much so that the trajectory of that room for the rest of the meeting changes. What if that's your gift for the morning? What if on Christmas morning he gave you faith? Would you desire it? Would you daydream about it? What about the gift of healing? Literally, if one prayer could save somebody's kidneys and you were called to do that, if he involved you in that, would you desire to take part for miraculous powers to see unexplainable things happen? For prophecy, which is not just foretelling, it's foretelling, it's being able to apply the scripture to Tuesday. 
And sometimes the Spirit can do that without one another through a sermon. And sometimes it requires you to come up and speak to that person and say, this reminds me of a scripture. This is a word kind of that I get out of this. And let me submit this to you. And let me suggest this to you and so forth. Paul is saying that although it's sometimes hard and sometimes more difficult to operate in these kinds of gifts, it is the way he's called us to do it. This is the brand standard that God has called to build up the church. God, what are you desiring to give to the church today? And how are you um, helping me to give it? And so ultimately, the spiritual gifts are accountable. Like, the thing about prophecy is that it doesn't force you to lay your cards on the table. Like if somebody says, hey, the Lord told me I'm supposed to leave this church, and they don't give you a reason, right? Like, prophecy becomes a smokescreen because I don't have to share my heart with you. I just say, well, the Lord told me to do it, right? And so that's the problem. I can't challenge that in you because it just means I challenge your whole authority of how you operate in your faith. And so probably I won't, right? But, but it feels like there's an unaccountability. Sometimes it's, it feels like because there's so much spiritual gifting going around a person because they can preach or teach or because um, there's healings that are going along that all of a sudden, well, the ends justify the means. You know, that, that's, that's just something that happens when somebody is good at something. We tend to like look over in the larger scope of the good that's being done and salvations and healings and so forth, we, we cease to challenge the purity and the integrity of the heart of that person. And so there's a smoke screen. But this is what the scripture is saying. Look, there are plenty of people prophesying healing people that do not know Jesus. Away from me, I never knew you is the command there, right? So, he's, so there is an accountability factor, and this is what's built in. 1 Corinthians 13 says it this way. If I speak, says Paul, in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, Paul says, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging symbol. This is what he says about the gift not given in love. It's a clanging gong. Sermons not given in love. Cheeseburgers not given in love. Encouragement not given in love. Healing not given in love is a clanging gong. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all oh, I have my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Ultimately, when we give gifts to others in the church, we're giving gifts to his bride. We're giving gifts to the one that he loves. And we will be accountable for the gifts that we give because a gift that's not given in love is not a gift at all. A gift that is not given in love, a spiritual gift, even how miraculous and powerful it is, if it's not given in love, in lay your life down kind of gospel love, it is not a manifestation of what the Spirit intends. And so all gifts are accountable to love. It's like, you know, I think nowadays there is a continual degradation of authority and honor and and a fear of power, really, in all realms of society, let alone the church. And the problem is, is that you can't escape the problem of power by just ignoring it. Like, to neglect power will always lead to the abuse of power, and so the correct way to heal injury that comes from power is just to practice it rightly. And by that, the prescription is 1 Corinthians 13, to practice it in love, to see a 1 Corinthians 14 gift practiced saturated in a 1 Corinthians 13 love, because gifts without love are not gifts. And so what does it look like to give spiritual gifts with great love and great compassion? A couple of ideas I have for us, you know, in a small church like this at City Lights. It's like to eagerly desire the gifts 
in the way of love. It says, you would like to have words of wisdom and knowledge and, and prophecy given with names and not notches. It would be, hey, I've been praying for you. How is your son? How is, and you know the names and the stories and so forth. I just had this picture for you. Can I hand it over to you for your own discretion? Can I give this to you? Notice the, the request there. Notice the mutual um, uh, kind of uh, uh, dignity that's given to the other person. That we are both brothers and sisters, serving brothers and sisters in this church, a church that God loves that has given gifts, and I'm no higher than you, and you're no higher than me, right? And we don't have these notches on these things, and God has maybe given us a gift that I would love to partake in. Um, how about this thing? H- has anything come of this thing? Sometimes we like to, you know, go off to conferences and have somebody pray for us and give us some prophetic word. And some of the times I think the reason why we like that is because it's cloaked in anonymity. I don't have to know that person. And that person doesn't have to know my garbage. And I'm not accountable to that. And they're not accountable to me. So what does it mean to follow up with that person? Hey, how did that go? I wanted to follow up. I want to grow in my hearing of the Lord's voice and so forth. I want to grow in my wisdom and my knowledge and so forth. And so this thing has relationship because love has relationships and gifts are always given in love. What does it look like to not corner somebody in the corner and, you know, put your hand on them and push them over or something like that, right? So what does it mean to practice a a normal amount of just discretion and wisdom in terms of how we talk to people as we orient around the supernatural, not to have guys chase girls out into cars and, you know, hey, man, what's your sign? And the Lord says you're going to marry me or whatever. You know, just to have a sense of normal dignity in the ways that we, we do this kind of thing. In a sense, it's asking the whole, what, five question process of literature and writing a story, right? It's like, who is this gift for? If I have a a sense, a feeling, oftentimes these gifts are not things that you have to go out and get or go some other place, but they're actually been given to you, and and so our job is to mine it out. Like, why is it that I just have this sense as I'm around this person? Why is it that this word has popped out to me five or six times? It's actually just becoming more alert of what's already there in front of you. That's kind of what I see a lot of times. If a gift is given and not to be grabbed, it's already here. I've just got to dust it off and, and figure out what's going on. And so... Right, so um, who is this gift for, as, as I get that? What is this gift? Is it a gift? Is it something else? Is it just bad pizza that I had? Uh, where should I give this gift? Is it something for church? Is it something for the microphone or not for the microphone? In front of people or not in front of people? Should I call this person, text this person, email this person, voxer this person, whatever. There's, there's different dimensions of delivery, and the delivery is everything when it comes to communication. Where should I give the gift? When should I give this gift? Why? What is your heart behind the gift? And it's not just a... A door dash where I hit and run. What is your heart? Let me go closer, closer to your heart as I, as I seek your hand in this thing. How should I give this gift? These are all, I think, appropriate questions to be asking ourselves as we're thinking about gifts. And so this is just a simple question that I want to ask you. I don't know where you are. I mean, I want to let you know as the elders have discussed this thing, it's like there are things to die on, right? There's the death and the burial and the resurrection. And so this is not a die on conversation. There are definitely people that I love, respect, and admire that um, believe that the gifts have either largely or completely ceased after the closing of the canon. And that is a completely, I think, normal thing that people believe in. Um, I personally am not there. Uh, I'm a continuationist, and all the elders are as well, but um, we believe this is more, not a thing to die on, but more of a thing of discussion. It's a conversation. So we have to decide as Christians too, right? So things that are die on things and discussion things, and then even things that personally that the Lord just needs to convict and talk to people individually. But in this conversation, because we are in this, in this room and then we are all brothers and sisters throughout the week and we're in small groups and so forth, we want to operate the gifts. We don't want to be uninformed is what Paul says. And so this would be my question um, as you're either closed or open or eagerly desiring. It's just this question. Um, are you making space and how might you make space for the spiritual gifts? I think that um, just like 
Christmas time, oftentimes, I've found that the more time you put into the gift, the better it is. And you are more excited oftentimes because you have a, a great gift that you handmade and you made with love and care. You're showing up to the house, you ding-dong on the doorbell, and you are excited about the Christmas, oftentimes not because of what you're about to get, but because of what you're about to give. And I think that a lot of times that the quotient of enjoyment of giving a gift comes with the time invested in it. And man, if you just had like a quick little zinger and you're just, oh, I'm going to go and like drop and DoorDash and just hit this person with a, with a prayer and leave, you know, it's like, that's beautiful. And it's a beautiful thing to be a part of maybe what God is doing. But also, what does it mean to, as you know, Mary just cherished up the prophetic word in her heart, to think about those things and treasure that word and think about the person and grow in it. And how do you want to, okay, you want to give it this way. What if I did it that way? And what if I, you know, how do I, do I journal about it? And who would I let know? And so forth. I think that God is honored by the cherishing and the stewarding of the gifts that he's given to build up his church. And so what does it mean to make space? What does it mean to make space for some of these gifts? Maybe you'd go alone, you know, in your room and just process. Like, I mean, if we assume that if 33% of the gifts that are listed in the Bible are spectacular sign gifts, and we assume that those gifts are given to all and not just certain select few that are like risen above the cream of the crop, then necessarily then one of those nine gifts is someone somewhere in your arsenal. And what would it look like to say, okay, I want to make space for that, and I want to consider, I, I want to get, help me get words for what I'm, what I'm sensing, Lord. Help me to get words for the non-five cents thing that you want to give in this situation. And I think that oftentimes to desire the gifts means to daydream about them. It means to allow the Spirit to cultivate those things, to check them against Scripture, to give them time, and to communicate them within the group so that the church would get built up. This is not about him, or excuse me, about us. This is about him. And these gifts are not about us. They are about him. And he says, little children, be careful of idols. As you come into gifts, you're going to want to use them to notch up. But these gifts are not about your skill. They are about his grace. They are about what he wants to give for free. Ultimately, what's at stake? Ultimately, what's at stake is the generous, generosity of God. It's believing that he wants to give stuff to us for free. And if we don't have a God that gives things for free, then all we have is we have to have works. And so when he comes back and returns, and 1 Corinthians says he's going to evaluate all of our works, not just the pastor who preaches on Sunday has work to do. We are all laborers in the field. We all have work to do. And we're coming to church because... The church doesn't exist for us. We exist for the church. And we're here to build up a structure that he told us to build, how he told us to build it. And if he told us to do it, 33% of sign gifts, okay, then, I'm, then I need to build with my left hand even if it's not my right. I need to be able to trust that he's ready to build up a church the way that he wants to build it. So I want you to consider that uh, as, the, as the band comes forward. And I don't know where you are, but, but uh, I just want to lead us in a prayer in some time of listening and prayer. So I'll have the, the band to come forward. And I also know that there'll be some prayer people too, uh, prayer team People, um, if you want to stay after for prayer, prayer during, um, during this um, closing worship song. But um, I'm thankful for you guys, and I'm thankful for you guys leaning in with me on this passage and, and maybe considering some of your past experiencing experiences or maybe even having faith for future experiences. But the point is, is that we want to have him write the experience and not our world and not our own selfish, closed-minded ambition. And so um, let's just um, take a moment here and, and allow him to, to speak to us. Um, for your gifts, Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are alive and active. And I just even love that word gift because it's so joyous and generous to perceive of a God that wants to give. I thank you that you have decided and woken us up to get today, not to go and grab and take and earn, but to receive. Just to receive. And so I want to pray for anyone that currently has a non-involved relationship with gifts, a close, a closed door just to be open to whatever you want to do. And however uh, sovereign or however, um, however distributed the gifts are, 
uh, that you would, you would, um, you just continue to, to speak to us in the ways that we understand. Those that are open in the gifts, maybe a little bit jaded or burned, Lord, that you would maybe breathe on us a fresh ex- expectation to daydream with you and just desire those gifts. And, um, and those that are eagerly desiring, I just, I thank you for them. I thank you that they are positioned and called to lead the church in being receivers and not takers. And so um, just on Christmas mornings like these, Lord, I pray that you would activate the gifts and that um, those that um, activate them would walk in responsibility knowing that the gifts that we give are given to his church, his bride that he loves so dearly. And so we do want to eagerly desire the gifts. We ask for um, words of knowledge and wisdom to enter in the doors uh, of the church and to invigorate and encourage us to make us awe and wonder. We ask you, Lord, for... Um, prayer language, uh, private prayer languages um, that are between, not just between man and man, but man and God, and the utterances and groans and the things that we can't even put words to sometimes. I pray that you would just anoint people's prayer closets to be able to pray the right things and the prayers that work. I pray for healing, Lord. And so um, those that are waiting on healing, that you would encourage us and and empower us to walk alongside them. And those that are having um, a healing that that is ready to be delivered today, I pray that we would not hold back in having faith to pray for healing. And so uh, I thank you for uh, your family that's gathered here. And I ask the Lord that you would build up your church for the sake of your glory through your gifts. And we trust you in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.